0: This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number fifty-six. Today we hear about the pygmy Barbaset, and we also discuss why I do this podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Visit the Zoo podcast, and we are a week late. I did not do an episode last week because I was really sick, and excuse the expression, but I was as sick as a dog. I'm your host, Frederick Fishman, and I'm also the author of the 12-book 120-animal series of Visit the Zoo, which you can find on Amazon, on Kindle, and also in print, audiobooks, DVD, and of course this podcast and everything we do is at zooanimals.info our website at zooanimals.info and you can also get the links to our zooswear apparel which you can also find at zooswear.com which is z-o-o-z-w-e-a-r.com I've been late a week because I came down with a really roaring case of bronchitis. And I think you can probably hear it in this episode as well. It was leading up to it in the previous episodes, but uh, I really got sick last week, but I'm back at it again. So thank you very much for joining me and thank you for joining me every single week. And I, I really want to discuss at least for a minute or two as to why we do these podcasts. And the reason is, is because I want to introduce and educate all of you and beyond about the animal world. Most of us live in cities or in suburbs or in areas where we have little contact with the animal world. And I want to make sure that I educate you about who they are and where they live and how they live and what is their future. And in turn, what is our future? Because we are one of those 8.7 million species. And I do that by describing the animals. I let you listen to what they sound like. And also to give you some animal news and just give you an overall picture of what it is the animal world is all about because it's surrounding us and they dominate the planet along with us, of course. So that is who we are at Visit the Zoo. So what do you say? Let's get started. And the first thing we usually start off with is some animal news, and I've got still a couple stories here. The first one is from Sacramento, and this is in the last week or so. The Sacramento Zoo is considering the sleep train arena for its new home. So they're going to move the zoo. And this is from uh, ABC uh, local station there, TV station, Channel 10. It says that the old home of the Sacramento Kings become the new home of the Sacramento Zoo. The Sacramento Zoo executive director, Jason Jacobs, told ABC 7, excuse me, ABC 10, he is exploring the idea of moving the zoo from its longtime land park location to the sleep train arena in Natomas. This is by no means set in stone, he said. We're just looking at the various pieces of this and we're in the very early stages of planning. Jacob said that Sleep Train Arena would provide ample parking, more space for the current animals, and room for more new animals. We felt that looking at the Natomas site, this site has tremendous potential to be a world-class zoological park and a destination to help make Sacramento a multi-day excursion into the animal world. Now, the first thing I thought of is, well, what's the sleep train arena? Well, what does that mean, sleep train? Well, it was originally called the Arco Arena, and then it was called the Power Balance Arena, and then the Sleep Train Arena. In 1988, it became the home of the Sacramento Kings basketball team. It was named for the Sleep Train mattress stores. There were 318 of them. But now all the Sleep Train stores are subsidiary of Mattress Firm. So they will be rebranded as Mattress Firm. All right, now that is confusing as heck, and I hope you got all that. But that is why that is called the Sleep Train Arena. Alright, it's now time for our mystery animal sound, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to include that with the animal description. Let me play for you now today's animal sound and see if you can guess what it is. I'll tell you what it is right away. Now, you're going to have to listen very carefully because it's a very high-pitched sound and they're kind of quiet. Hard to hear, but that is the mystery animal sound today, and I'm going to tell you what this thing is. On the animal cuteness scale, from 1 to 10, the pygmy marmoset from northwestern South America ranks as a 12. These things are extremely cute. They really are. They are a small species of New World monkey. They're native to the rainforest of western Amazon Basin in South America, and they are one of the smallest primates in the world. They weigh just over 3.5 ounces. Only the Madame Bertha's mouse lemur is smaller in the primate species realm. It's generally found in evergreen and river edge forests and is a gum feeding specialist or a gumivore. About 83% of the pygmy marmoset population lives in stable troops of two to nine individuals. Members of the group communicate using a complex system of vocal, chemical, and visual signals. There are three main calling signals, and depending upon the distance, the call needs to travel. These monkeys also make visual displays when threatened or to show dominance. The biggest threat to them is is from habitat loss and the pet trade. Again, they are the world's, one of the world's smallest primates, but they are a true monkey, and they've got a body length of 4.6 to 6 inches and a tail length of 6.8 to 9 inches. It has many adaptations for arboreal living, including the ability to rotate its head 180 degrees, and it has sharp claw-like nails to cling onto branches of trees. And its dental morphology is adapted to feeding on gum with specialized incisors that help gouge into trees. They live in western Amazon Basin in Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and also Bolivia. The population density is correlated to the food tree availability. They usually live at about between ground level and 66 feet, but they don't go up to the tops of the trees. And they've got a specialized diet of tree gum, which is sap, that gnaws holes into the bark of appropriate trees and vines and just drinks up the liquid the pygmy marmoset due to its extensive population size is not thought to be at risk as a result it is listed as a species of least concern by the international union for conservation of nature they are very popular as pets and although these primates are not in danger of extinction they are rare to find on the market for purchase usually they can be purchased from one thousand to four thousand dollars and it generally um pygmy marmoset's lifespan is between 15 to 20 years. They are known to have a shorter life in the wild because of predators and they also fall out of trees too. As pets, they are fed fruits, insects, and smaller lizards. A baby pygmy marmoset needs to be fed every two hours for at least two weeks. So that means if you get a baby marmoset, you're not going to be able to get more than two hours sleep at a time. All right, let's move on to our uh, dog and cat segment where this brand new by the way we added that a few weeks ago where we talk about animals that are living in our home and i have one story about these dogs and it comes from oklahoma starting in oklahoma and ending up in virginia and planes touch down in Manassa regional airport that's in virginia every day but on thursday however some unusual on passengers set foot on the tarmac the humane society of the united states is crossing state lines to save lives thursday afternoon Afternoon it unloaded over one hundred and seventy dogs and cats from rescues. The Humane Society considers these states to be overpopulated with strays and has located them to eleven nearby shelters in Northern Virginia. There are thousands of adoptable animals waiting for adoption in Texas and Oklahoma and other regions. We can really diversify that and get them into homes by simply moving them, which is why the transport has become such an important part of animal welfare. The $25,000 flight for these 170 dogs and cats was donated by the McCulloch Foundation. Now, our discussion of... The most popular dog breeds comes to number three, which is the Golden Retriever. It's full of life. It's a Scottish gun dog. And it's the golden retriever. It's the third most most popular in the US and the fifth most popular worldwide. It has a lifespan of ten to twelve years. Females weigh between fifty-five and seventy-one, males between sixty-five and seventy-five. Now anybody who's got a golden retriever know that they are easy to please and their temperament. You couldn't ask for anything better. They're trustworthy, they're kind, they're intelligent, they're reliable, they're friendly. I mean, how many human friends fit those parameters? I don't think of very many. And all of that that you wish you had with your human friends all rests with a golden retriever. Females are at about 20 to 22 inches in height, and the males about 22 to 24. They're generally cream or light cream color or even dark golden too. They have a smooth, powerful gait, a fluffy tail, and when they move, They are poetry in motion. They were developed in the 1800s in the United Kingdom. And they will retrieve endlessly for hours. They like to swim and fetch and bring you whatever it is that you want brought to you. Unlike my mini poodle Sky, who when she grabs the ball that I throw, she runs and hides from me. You know, it's like saying, this is mine. You can't have it. So my poodle is not a golden retriever. Golden Retrievers are playful, they're joyous by nature from puppyhood to adulthood, which makes them the perfect family pet. And that is the Golden Retriever. Now, one other set of information about pets or dogs, and this is something I discovered the other day. And this is 11 ways that your dog says, I love you. The first way is they gaze into your eyes. Number two, they bring you their toys. Except Sky, who runs away. Number three, they yawn when you yawn. Number four, they sleep with you. That's our Sky. Number five, by wagging their tail. Number six, by raising their eyebrows and showing you their tongue. Hmm, I don't know about that one, but okay. Number seven, they cuddle with you. Number eight, they lean on you. Number nine, they let you touch their head. Number ten, they calmly watch you leave, and that's because that's unless they have uh, separation anxiety. But if they don't, if they watch you calmly leave, they're trusting that you're going to come back. And finally, number eleven, they go crazy when you come back, and I think we've all have seen that. So that is our dog and our cat segment for this week. All right, usually I will read a poem, and however, this time what I'm going to be doing is playing chapter number three from my novel, Noah, an Animal Adventure Fantasy, which, of course, you can get on Kindle or print or even in the audiobook uh, form on audible.com. So here is chapter number three of Noah, an Animal Adventure Fantasy. (laughs)
1: Chapter 3 Noah did not hesitate. He immediately started walking slowly on the descending path. The further he walked, the darker his surroundings. It was as if the green canopy was closing in around him. The further he walked, the quieter and the more distant the background noise from the zoo sounded. As the background zoo noise began to fade, a louder hissing noise began to rise and replace it. The darkness continued to deepen, then suddenly began to brighten once again. The green enveloping color from the canopy above turned into a mist and began to saturate the tunnel. It permeated the space in front and behind Noah. The mist grew thicker, as if it were surrounded by a dense fog. Noah stopped walking. He was suddenly afraid. He grabbed the metal railing straddling either side of the path to steady himself. He was temporarily disoriented and dizzy. The mist grew even thicker and the hissing became louder. Come on, Noah. It's okay, he whispered to himself. Noah's fear began to heighten even more when he heard that voice again. He turned sharply to his left, took one step back up the path now. Come on, Noah. Come. We must talk. I want to meet you. Noah stopped walking and turned back toward the descent of the path. Someone wanted to meet him. Who wanted to meet him? His curiosity then kicked into full tilt. He continued to walk down the path. He proceeded one slow, cautious step at a time. The mist began to clear and the light began to fill the covered path. In front of Noah, the light turned into a more natural golden hue. Noah thought he saw a magnificent sunset in front of him. The hissing sound was almost gone. The further he walked, the mist began to disappear until it finally vanished. He saw a small piece of blue sky in front of him at the end of his green tunnel. It looked similar to those wondrous evenings those rare wondrous evenings when the sun was setting behind a veil of scattered clouds and the sky was on fire with gold and red expanding and deepening on the horizon. As he reached the bottom of the path and cleared the opening of the green canopy, he saw a broad field of flowering wheat in all directions. He looked behind him and he saw a a diminishing and closing of that green path cocoon. The path receded behind him even further and further away. Noah turned and tried to run back to his world and back to his parents. It was impossible. The path then disappeared completely. Noah was standing in a small round opening in the middle of a wheat field with a red and gold sky above and around him in all directions. Mom, Dad, he screamed out. He twirled from one side to the next. He began to panic. Mom, Dad, he cried out even louder. He heard a rustling sound in the distance. It was soft at first, but grew louder as it seemed to move toward him something was in the tall wheat moving in his direction. He hoped it was not a loose panda from the habitat that was supposed to be there. Moving out from the thick stand of full-grown wheat, Noah saw a small, furry creature. It stopped in front of him. It had a pointy nose, and its two black hands and two golden furry arms were resting on its stomach. It looked at Noah and smiled sweetly. A bird somewhere above their heads made a chirping noise. The small animal looked up suddenly. The smile dropped. It looked anxiously from side to side, trying to determine the bird's location. The bird then became quiet and flew away. The golden furry animal, maybe one and a half feet tall, turned back to noah noah was put off by the smile at first but then to to relax he stared at and carefully surveyed the animal from head to toe it looked familiar its arms were still together still resting on its stomach noah smiled wait a minute you're a meerkat the meerkat nodded in agreement Did you get out of your enclosure? The meerkat did not move. It just stood there and continued to smile. Noah asked, Are you lost? Then to Noah's shock, it spoke in a comforting, strong adult voice. No, but you are. Noah screamed and ran to the edge of the clearing, frantically looking for an opening. The voice said in the little small creature, Noah, there's no place to go. You have to stay with me. Noah turned back to that wall of wheat. He shook his head in disbelief. What was happening was too much for the 12-year-old to fathom. The meerkat took several steps toward Noah. It was only about five feet away from Noah, who still had his back to the wheat wall. Noah... I will help you find your way back. Not right away, but I will help you. Noah tried to speak, stopped, and then finally in a shaking voice. Animals can't talk. How can you talk? The meerkat then moved down to a half stand, half sit position, resting on his haunches. He was concentrating before he answered. And he said this. Well, to be quite truthful about the matter, I just don't know how it is I gained the ability to speak. I guess I just woke up one day after hearing humans talking, like you, and I thought it seemed perfectly logical that I could as well. So I did, and I do. That's impossible. The shock Noah blurted back. The meerkat became even more comfortable. It would seem so, Noah, but I can talk. And there you have it. Noah relaxed a bit. He took one step forward. How do you know my name? The meerkat smiled broadly this time. Oh, Noah, I know all about you. How? I never met you. I never talked to a meerkat. I never... This is crazy. That would also seem so as well. But here we are, you are talking to me and I am talking to you. Do you want to know my name? Your name? You have a name? Noah was shocked as the conversation moved forward. That moment seemed as if he were talking to a human, not an animal talking to a meerkat and having him talk back would be insane. Noah wondered if he was hallucinating. Noah looked over at the immense wheat field. He turned around in a 360-degree circle. Oh, I can assure you, Noah, your green walkway is nowhere to be found around here. We'll have to find it again, together. I can help you. And after a long pause while the meerkat allowed Noah to calm again. My name is Manny. You can call me Manny. Noah smiled and chuckled. Manny? Your name is Manny? "Uh Uh-huh. Noah then laughed a bit. You are Manny the meerkat. Noah chuckled again. You don't need thee. Just remember, Noah, that sometimes saying fewer words is better than adding too many words at one time. It makes conversation move quickly, and it makes what you were saying seem more uh, intelligent. makes it seem more understandable. It's easier to comprehend by the person you were talking to. Noah shook his head in agreement. He still couldn't believe he was actually talking to a meerkat who seemed to have A touch of wisdom. I am sitting here talking to Manny, meerkat, in the middle of nowhere, with the zoo somewhere, maybe close by or maybe far away. I don't know which at this moment. Oh, Noah, you are nowhere near the zoo. You are in a wheat field in Asia. Noah stood straight. Asia? What are you talking about, Asia? Asia? We are in the Southwest United States.
0: Chapter number three from my novel, Noah, and animal adventure fantasy. And that is a wrap for today's longer version of the Visit the Zoo podcast. I just had so much to catch up on from missing last week. I thought I would maybe add a little bit more. So I want to thank you very much for joining me. And please check out our websites at zooanimals.info. That's plural, zoo animals.info and that is our main website and check out all of our merch on our zooswear.com website and that's z-o-o-z-w-e-a-r.com and i've got some we've added some christmas designs because it is coming up here pretty soon folks so check that out again at zooswear.com and as always please subscribe rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you very much and join me next week for another version of Visit the Zoo. Thanks. Bye-bye.